1: Hi, everyone. This is Mind Rolling, and I'm Raghu Marcus, and this is uh, another edition on our new Be Here Now Network, as uh, many of you are finding out and as I have been talking about on several of the podcasts that are on the network We have formed the Be Here Now Network and under the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation, under Ram Das's foundation and Maharaji, so that we can, we feel, better serve everybody. Having the podcast network with these particular teachers Jack Cornfield, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Joseph Goldstein. Lama Surya Das, of course, Ramdas, and mind rolling, from me and uh, and as you've listened in the past, my erstwhile partner David Silver, who's on sabbatical this year, and Chris Grosso and our thought leader Danny Goldberg. So all of uh, we have moved this team from a mind pod. MindPod will continue with a new generation of podcasters. And uh, so please do go to com. You can find all the same ways that we used to, uh, where we were before on MindPod, to support through the Amazon link, through the donation button, and, and just continue the conversation and We'd love to get your feedback about the new network. We, we are going to have some different things that are going to go on. We've got a teacher spotlight that's up there now where you can find out from many of the different teachers their ruminations on compassion. That's up there right now. Uh, we will also have an Awakened Heart uh, blog series that will be coming soon. And we have, as many of you know, no, because we announced it quite a bit on MindPod, but the HeartMind app will be coming over with us, and we are just finishing it, and uh, we, you should see that in the next uh, 30 to 60 days, I'm hoping, uh, which will have many great applications, push notifications with meditations and timers and gongs and... Uh, you know, how about waking up in the middle of the day, uh, waking up in the middle of the day, being woken up in, in a way not from sleep, but being woken up by Ramdas going, be here now, be here now. We have cute little things like that are going to go on. So I wanted to tell you about that. And uh, the, here is the next podcast I wanted to just talk about. It comes from uh, this uh, retreat we just did a few weeks ago with Ramdas and Lama Surya in Maui in our uh it's our regular spring retreat and uh my good friend and uh, and our podcast guru Duncan Trussell and I got together with Lama Surya Das to do this uh live podcast there that we're now for the first time releasing here and you'll also be able to see the video of it which is kind of cool too uh and uh yeah, Duncan and I got into this whole thing because I cut some off, someone off in line going to the bathroom at the retreat and I felt like shit about it. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't exemplifying the teachings all my decades with whatever I did that was completely unmindful. And Duncan gave me a good... That's why he's the guru. He gave me a real talking to about um, self-crucifixion, which I was doing. And he said... One hand's nailed to where you are at the moment, and the other hand is nailed to where you think you should be. It was really wise. It's exactly that what was going on. So we had a whole dialogue about that, and then we went into this um, this whole thing uh, because Duncan really wanted uh, to get uh, edified around emptiness and the Buddhist concept of em- emptiness, and who b- more better to do that than Lama Suridas? So, uh, it's, it's a great podcast. It's fun, it's funny, and it's got a lot of, uh, wisdom in it. Um, and I think we're going to call it, The World is Like a Bubble, and Yet, which is, a, a uh, comes from a Surya Das and a Japanese uh, haiku. And, um, I loved it. So, he's going to explain that out. So, there you go. It's, uh, Just wanted to introduce not only the podcast, but uh, get everybody moving over to uh, sign up. uh, Put your email in, because we're going to have lots of notifications about different things. We're doing live events. We're doing live podcasts. As I said, we're going to have this uh, app coming up. We're going to have this wonderful course, Life in Balance, which will emanate from the app. And... uh, just get to that page, beherenownetwork.com, sign up. And then, of course, whatever you can do to support what we're doing, that would be well appreciated. You can easily find right in the menu the Donate button and the way, uh, the uh, Amazon link that will uh, all of the proceeds get shared with all of our core teachers. So uh, this is Mind Rolling, and I'm Raghu Marcus, And we'll see you again next week on the Be Here Now Network. Hi. 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 I did a podcast with Duncan the other day in his room. We're doing a couple of podcasts. And he says to me, I've been getting some mail from my uh, listeners about you. Oh, "Oh, gosh. Really? Yeah, they're saying you're like very gruff towards me. <laughs> and I go, really? Well, I get, I,
2: there's enough. Well, only because I, there's a message board associated with my podcast. And so for some reason, people, people just feel like they can say whatever they want on a message board. And so, yeah, sometimes people are like, oh, that ragu, he's gruff. He cuts you off. He's, he's how Jesus, can... but it, 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 Exactly. But I've, I think it, it's ridiculous because I know you. I love you. You're one of the sweetest people I know. But, yeah, I did want to just bring it up in the podcast because uh, <laughs> I thought that then, it would clear the air for people who, okay, ha- who, had, yeah. who had lodged that complaint.
1: Well, if it continues, I want you to point it out to me
2: but you're allowed to be gruff I mean that's the yeah. thing that I was saying or that we were trying to talk about on the podcast is that you and Lama Surya Das and Ramdas and anyone who has managed to get into the trap of being a teacher, people <laughs> want you to they want you to be a certain way. And the moment that you go uh, diverge in the slightest from that way that they want you to be, you become a demon in their, in their mind. And I, I think that must be a really heavy burden to have to carry around with you, to think that there's so many people expecting you to be some way when uh, you get to be whichever way you want.
1: All right, well, how about this one? Because... The- I I needed to confess with somebody, so it's going to be you, publicly. I was going to the bathroom here last night. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And there was a line. (laughs) Okay. And suddenly the door opened, and somebody was in front of me, but I went around them, because I wanted to get it over with as quickly as possible. And I went in, it was in the women's bathroom. And I said to him, when I was already through the threshold of the doorway, right? Do you mind? <laughs> what was he going to say? I was already in the right. bathroom. Right? Right. He said, no, it's the women's bathroom, you know. But so he got a hold of me later on, and he said, I just want to point this out to you. If you really meant to offer me the opportunity to go in front of you, you wouldn't have gone halfway in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> And I thought, you're absolutely right. And here's another case of, remember how we talk about, what's the point of these decades, for me, of of walking, treading the spiritual path and doing practices if we can't be kind, compassionate, and loving to people and care about them? You see, I've completely failed. I feel like you.
3: <laughs> ah! Wait, what? <laughs> no applause.
2: You're <laughs> not applaud that.
1: No, but, I mean, you're okay, always complaining like that. I know, that. no, I
2: know. But you, this is the, what you just said is what's the point, right? And I think that's where you start getting into trouble every single time is when you start thinking, what's the point to this? Because anything that you're doing, no matter what it may be, if you really sit down with it and start thinking, what's the point of this? Ultimately, it seems completely meaningless and pointless.
1: What are you talking about?
2: I'm talking, see, that's what people complain about. That was it. <laughs> that, no, what I mean is, okay, let's take any, let's take the, let's take the, uh, well, you know, there's that great poem I really like, I don't have it memorized, but the poem, it's Ozymandias. Do you guys know this poem? So, it's, it's so that basically somebody is out in the middle of the desert and finds this broken, in the poem, it finds this broken, just the the legs of some statue. And uh, written at the base is, My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Behold my works, ye mighty, and despair. And it's just nothing but a broken piece of a statue. And so anytime you think that you're doing anything, Whatever it may be, no matter how grand or great or little or whatever, over the course of time, everything will be completely erased and, and, and vanquished. So what's the point? There really isn't a point. There can't be a point. And the moment you start doing something for a point, that's when you start going a little crazy. It's so much more fun to be pointless than to have a point.
1: I thought these digital nice. podcasts would be forever, though.
2: <laughs> no. No, the sun's going to supernova. The, oh, we're, right. oh right. you're
1: asking the wrong person. Trump's
2: going to be president. We're done. Yeah, Three years. Right. Forget okay. it, gang. We're out of here. All
1: right. But what I was meaning was your comment about spiritual teachers, quote unquote, needing to act a certain way. Yes. And if they don't, there's a big letdown, right? That's right. what you were talking about? And I was saying, I, I feel like I let down That's the greatest this gentleman. gift.
2: I think the greatest gift a spiritual teacher can give you is disappointing you.
1: Okay, good. I feel better. Thank you.
2: It's such a great thing because you're free of the... You know, I actually heard this. uh, I I, I read someone described putting someone on a pedestal as a form of aggression. It's a form of hostility. When you put someone up here, then you're forcing them to play this ridiculous game with you where you're bowing down to them and they're being a sacred thing and, then, and that's a heavy duty game to play and it's not really fair to do that to people. Now, I think that's kind of the great sacrifice of the guru is that this is a person who's made the decision to play that role completely and, I, that's, and this is why Neem Karoli Baba and I don't know how many of you guys read about him but it's very funny because he was always trying to escape from you guys, he was always trying to get away he would sneak. He would tell people. He would say, "I've got to go use the bathroom," and be gone for a month. Isn't that true?
4: Yeah,
1: totally <laughs> so, true. So. Or, or he would lie to us. You go to Nainital. I'm going to meet you in Kenchi, and no, you always say that. You never. No, for sure. I'm going to be there over right. and over for sure. He'd never show up. <laughs> exactly. Everybody be crying. Yeah. So yeah, he did that all the time. So
2: that's that's the guru, and he's like, "This is terrible. I got to get a break from time to time." So how you because it's, it's a heavy? I think it's a heavy, I think it's a heavy burden, you know. And and uh, no,
1: no, not, you there's so. nobody doing anything, so there's no burden. No, this is our mental construct. Well, I he, think he didn't make a decision to do anything.
2: Well, I mean, I think the real trouble you get into is not just when you start ascribing. A human being with some kind of supernatural anything. I think it's when you start ascribing these abilities to yourself. So when you start disappointing yourself because you're not meeting some ridiculous idea of how you're supposed to be. I was actually tied the best conversation. Protocol. Yeah, but I. Someone was talking to me here, and, and and she jokingly said that she feels like she's under a lot of pressure to be more spiritual when she gets back home from this thing. And that's a really funny thing, because I think mm. a lot of people, you start, when you're around folks like Ram Dass and Neem Karoli Baba, and when I say Neem Karoli Baba, when you're around these people, you're around that being, you can, put, you can start raising your expectations for yourself mm. in a kind of insane way. And that's a form of crucifixion where you...
1: <laughs> Wouldn't go that far, I mean.
2: Yeah. A... No, it is. It's a form of self-crucifixion. Because on one side, you have what you really are. And then on the other side, I mean, self-crucifixion is impossible because you need two hands. You can't hammer. Some nails. But, <laughs> but theoretically, one, one, one hand is nailed to what you, where you're at in the moment. And the other hand, you nail the, the way you think you should be. And then you go around all the time thinking, oh, my God, I cut someone in line in the bathroom. What's wrong with me? And that's <laughs> And that's, what, that's a funny yeah. game you end up yeah.
1: stuck in. Now, uh, we talked about guru. We were talking about gurus in the, one of the podcasts, yes. the guru. And you talked about your relationship and, and your thoughts around the reality of a physical guru and the need of it or not of it. And Yes. Go, maybe you can lay that out again.
2: Well, I mean, I know this is going to sound blasphemous, but i like my guru is dead because <laughs> because it's because you you don't have to there's no thing you know you're not going to get a phone call there's not going to be a thing you get to create this beautiful screen to project the ultimate version of whatever you think the ultimate version is onto and it's wonderful but when the guru becomes embodied then you know now you're now there's all kinds of Problems that, that start happening, you know, for better or for worse. So I really like the idea. I like what Ram Dass said, which is I already did this. I already went to India. I've done the thing. You're connected with this being now. And I think that's a, a beautiful uh, version of it.
1: Yeah. You but know? you were still talking about, let's talk about it. it doesn't matter if the being is alive or dead. But you are relating with that single entity. As your guide on it in day-to-day life, that's right. I mean, I
2: have a, um, I have a friend who prays to Batman. No joke, because he. Uh, well, no, follow it here because I, this sounds crazy. But if you and I, when I first heard him say that, I thought it was the most, you know, ridiculous thing. And I thought he was being sarcastic, actually. But if everything is God. And and I and I think that's something that we are taught here. If everything is one unified field, then all we've got is symbols, you know? And so all of these symbols have got to be God. Every single one has got to be God. So whichever one you pick is fine as long as it elevates you and activates that part of yourself that makes you kinder to other people and, and makes you feel like you're at home. So I think that... Um, there's a lot of different symbols to choose from, and some of them are going to be very effective for some people, and some of them aren't going to be effective at all. Uh, for example, some people, when they see Neem Crowley Baba in my house, they're like, why do you have that picture there? And they think it's ridiculous. They think it's, uh, or they just seem embarrassed a little bit. Well, that's not for them. But these are the same people who will go on and on in the most passionate excited way about baseball you know they'll get so into it they'll get so into it and this is the verse in the Bhagavad Gita where and it's a crazy verse because Krishna says whatever it is that you choose to worship there I will be and I will make your faith strong and that's a very intense thing to say because it means that because what this does is it eliminates the ability to try to get someone to talk about God using your symbol system. Because if someone loves baseball, their job, HBO, Game of Thrones, whatever it may be, when they're talking about that, that's how they're connecting to what makes them happy in the universe.
1: Huge jump there that you're, you're going to related to the guru. And, it you know, it calls for some help now.
2: Oh, we have to get a llama up here to yeah, fix what I just did. Yeah, let's get a llama up
1: here, okay? <laughs>
5: Duncan, but I think you already nailed it with that crucifixion stuff. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what you're talking about, really.
1: The true guru. Yes. Can it be Batman or a baseball game?
5: Because Um,
1: the one manifest says everything. That's what he's saying.
5: Yes, uh, it, it could be, but it usually isn't. Because, you know, things accumulate a certain uh, value to us over time, like your own favorite uh, blankie or baseball glove or, you know, significant other. So it could be anybody, but somebody, you know, your child is more special than any child. So your guru is a special, like your parent, it's a special connection for many reasons different than other adults who are around. So if you, for example, kill your parent it's a much worse karma than just killing somebody. That's how it's really? taught, yes.
2: So they have a Because you un- owe
5: them. Because they've done so much for you.
2: That's nuts, man. <laughs> but but let,
5: me, let me go on. I'm now I'm going say something. Because what if it's somebody else's parent? Of course it is. But that it's worse karma for them to kill them than for you to kill, you know, kill them.
2: Who invented this system? <laughs>
5: That's ridiculous. Like well, there's karmic points for something like there's first degree murder, there's second degree, there's manslaughter, worst there's is killing accidental. Your guru. Killing the guru is worse than you know, killing just anybody because you because of what they've done for you. Right. So but but let me let me uh, on the other hand take up your point, which was very well taken about the unified theory and God is in everything. Therefore, and I hate to say this because I know what he's gonna do with this Tibetan, you know, teaching. One of, the, one, one of the great stories of Tibetan Buddhism is called the, o, the, the Old Lady and the Dog's Tooth. You can read this in my book of Tibetan teaching tales. But it's a very famous story. Every Lama will tell it. But to make a long story short, there's a old lady with a lot of faith, means illiterate, not learned, not meditating... Old lady with a lot of faith in a village in Tibet. Her son's a trader. He goes to India. She says, bring me back a relic of the Buddhist tooth so I can put it on my altar. And he goes, and it takes months, and he comes back, and he forgets. So along the way, as he approaches, he picks up a, a tooth out of the skull bone, the jawbone of a dog along the road. And he brings it to her, wrapped in some Benares brocade from his, his trip to India. And she puts it on the altar and bows and prays and circumambulates and invites all her her neighbors to come and um, feeds them and loves them. And they all pray together and they start to all get enlightened together because faith, because of attention, because of all what they put into it. Right. It could have been the tooth. It could have been, you know, a, a piece of hair. It could even have been the Buddha's bone. Right. But not that different in the bigger sense. Yeah. So th- I hate to say it, so that agrees with your theory that praying <laughs> to Batman could be good. See? But however, if you pray to somebody who you know, has moved you before, it may move you more in the long run. Not right. just making up your own. It may very well.
2: Yeah, and, and I, again, I don't mean just make something up. I, I mean, there, this is the thing we were talking about a little bit earlier today, and I wanted to talk with you about this. Um, and, it, and forgive me because it sounds like I'm going to be an intellectual dork right now, but in the, in the Brothers Karamazov by so Dostoevsky. you already quote,
5: quoted Yates and Ozymandias.
2: Uh, oh, is that you know, Yates? Very impressive. Um, well, You're highly
5: medicated. I'm very educated. I'm medicated.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's a, there's a great essay in there. In, in, in Christianity, um, one of the things I found out in college was that the Gospels, the, the, the main core of what Christianity is comes from this guy Paul, whose name was Saul, who never really met the embodied Jesus. He had a vision of Jesus. And so the this, uh, this story is it's the road to Damascus. And for those of you who don't know what that is. St. Paul. St. Paul, Saul at the time, he's like taking part in the national pastime at the time, which was throwing rocks at Christians. He liked to stone them, and he was very brutal and cruel. So he was a, a, a really mean person, and he's walking down the road, and he has this vision where Jesus appears and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And in that moment, Saul uh, is awakened and goes blind and walks to Damascus where Christians, early Christians take him in, and he proceeds to write the epistles, which are the letters about how to run the early Christian church. But in this essay by Dostoevsky, the question he raises is, did Jesus at that moment send some energy into Saul to convert him? Was there a magic that happened? And you could say the same thing about Neem Karoli Baba. Was there a magic, an energy, a transmission, Dharma transmission that comes into a person and they convert into some sanctified being? Or did that person use this vision as an excuse to just be a better person? And Dostoevsky says it's the latter. Because if it's the former, now we've got a problem because really all we need is to run into a holy being. Our free will has been extinguished Holy beings could just go around the planet touching everyone and converting them. So Dostoevsky's idea is you decide, you pick a moment, and you can pick whatever moment you want, whether it's contact with a divine being that was Neem Karoli Baba, or whether it's in Zen stories, a drop of water falling into a puddle, or whether it's coming to a a retreat like this. You can just decide this is the thing that is going to make me be a better person. And I prefer that. I think that there's a lot more to that, especially if the concept is that we're all emptiness. Because if we're all emptiness, then it really is a matter of just deciding how
5: you're gonna be.
1: Is that true? Get at them with the all emptiness right yeah. now. You're, you're, adding,
5: you're adding a lot into the blender and going, <laughs> that's what I do, <laughs> which, you know, which is great. And you represent all of our, our minds. Um, You know, the modern modern Western educated (laughs) one. Dostoevsky isn't wrong, but he is setting, uh, you know, free will aside from determinism. Uh, There's a confluence or there's a parallel. So, you know, like my elbow. I can move it however I want, but only in one direction. So free will and determinism. Things can only be a certain way. Of the moment. Okay. Like we can't humans can't fly generally. Right. Birds can't. But still we can do more than we think. So I think the experience, the famous epiphany on the road to Damascus where Saul, the tax collector, the persecutor, arose as Paul transformed, is it's not exactly like Jesus is sitting up somewhere sending an energy mail like an email burst at Saul right. and not at <laughs> Bob, Tom and Sarah down the road. But the, because in the timeless it's not, you know, happening that way. Like Maharaji didn't particularly sit up in the mountains thinking, I'm pulling in, you know, Ram Das and ba- in order, Bhagwan Das and Ram Das and Rameshra Das. No, but in his heart, serving Ram out of time, pulling in all, <laughs> out of time, transpersonally, not personally, individually, just focusing on one person only. If well, you see what I'm saying. Absolutely. And so I- Jesus is a, a an archetype or represents a more personal God so we can relate to him rather than the formless God. But it doesn't mean Jesus is that personal either. It's a transpersonal principle. Even if he's dead, it still can work. Not that he's... You know, like people often ask me. I'm a Tibetan Lama. They're always asking me about Tibetan Book of the Dead, Bardo, after death, before birth, rebirth, dreams. They say, "I had a dream about you last night. It was this. Did you send it to me?" Right. I said, "Have we met before?" (laughs) Do I have your dream email address? (laughs) But on the other hand, I don't want to say no. If if they feel like they got it from the lineage, sure. Not me personally. Sure. It sounds good. But then what do you do with that? That's where the action is. Right. I mean, that is the big question. What do you question. do with that? That's it. How do you become a better person? Just deciding, I'm going to become a better person because Batman is a superhero. Our will is not strong enough to do that. I think we need a little help from you know, self-power other and other power, Batman or something outside. Like Maharaji Ramdas inspires us, so we kneel in front of him instead of kneeling in front of, um, I, I don't know, this water bucket. Right. And they seem to do a little more. It's not that everything is empty and equal exactly. In essence, all things are unified field, but in function they're all different and distinct.
1: See, the, yeah, the relative and the absolute. You like to go to the absolute and everything gets churned in that particular thing. But the the relative is the human thing that we you know, you're here. You're getting from Ramdas, whatever, right? From the very beginning when you did that right. Skype with him. Yes. Right? That's really what it's all about. It's amazing.
2: And and I I love it. And and all of the, I mean it's incredible I even get to be up here with you guys. But the to what you're talking about, I've heard it described Prabhupada, uh the founder of the Hare Krishna's said it's like deities are like mailboxes. Like, you can't just shove your mail in a, in a, in a cave somewhere. No one's going to pick it up. You got to, so, and I've, I, I, on one level, I understand what he's saying, but then on another level, it creates this hilarious uh, metaphysical system of deities connected in some way to Krishna who's like a telephone operator who's getting authentic prayers and other prayers aren't coming through and then you get on this slippery slope where suddenly where everything becomes absurd and
5: and everything is absurd from that point of view right well I think it functions on and this is what the other thing which is thought the thinking point of view that sets things against each other that's not the unified field which everything is possible where nothing happens and everything is at the same time.
2: This is why I like what Ramdas talks about, where these, these things are all happening on every level. So on one level, we have Neem Crowley Baba, a, 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 a messenger of the divine, maybe an avatar, who knows, who drew to him a certain group of people that... And it's really interesting what he did, too. I just read this very poignant thing. You know, there's that terrible... There's that terrible fire happening in Canada. And... Uh, I didn't know this, but I think pine trees, when a fire is coming, they drop all of their seed to the ground because they know they're about to die and all the seed falls down. Yeah, and then when the fire burns through, the trees grow again. So it's really cool. I was thinking, oh, that's Neem Karoli Baba. He, he like knew that he was going to exit the universe or this, that part of the universe and he dropped all of these seeds and they all grew into this satsang. And I think that's super cool. So on one level, that's what we have going on. And then... but That's cool. It's a good
1: Thanks. story. Like it's super it. cool. Yeah.
2: But maybe on another I level... Feel,
5: I feel like a wet seed in the hot <laughs> blind earth. I'm quoting Faulkner. A wet seed in the hot blind earth. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's beyond will. But very fertile, you see? So it's not just that Jesus decided to, you know, or somebody come into your dream. Didn't just decide to come into your dream. It's not that personal or rational. But the intent, the timeless intent is there. Like Maharaji's timeless intent to serve, to love, serve, and remember. Right. And then that has its natural outflows as we approach, if we, you know, your different images about the messages, the prayers, the mail...
1: Yeah. Timeless intent coming from complete empty place, which is the love Ramdas was talking about to us when we did that thing the yes. other day. So that's really it. I have a question, sir.
5: I'll try you, not to be gruff with you. I get same you, kind of thing. <laughs> you do?
1: <laughs> I know. That's why we're <laughs> compatriots. Um, you have been, I don't think I know anyone else in my life. That has been, now many people have been with great teachers. And especially in the Tibetan tradition, there's a lot of great teachers. More so, I would say, than any other tradition on the planet today that I know. Lama Suryadas, he met Neem Karoli Baba. He met Maharaji, and then subsequently met particularly, and I I really want you to talk about him, because... He met the 16th Karmapa. For those of you who don't know, the, the succession in Tibetan Buddhism is the Dalai Lama, Panchen Lama, and Karmapa. And Karmapa, I think, is the oldest ongoing uh, reincarnate Lama. And when I, I'm so. Uh, in the early 80s, I was in L.A., and he was doing a black hat ceremony, and I met—I I was in a line to go and get the blessing. And when I got about six feet away, I just got hit by this powerful vibration. And, I, and my first thought was, oh, shit, that's Maharaji. It was the, the same spacious, empty, full of love. Those are the only words that I can think of, and they don't really say it all. That I, uh, that I felt then. So there are. They called these. Uh, did they not refer to him as a siddha, sixteenth? Yes. A yeah. Siddha. yeah.
5: Yeah. They they considered him a mahasiddha, a great enlightened one with uh, powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal monks. Right. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like
2: you can't just say that and not follow no. it with something. <laughs>
5: Like the eight cities ascribed to the Buddha's, like clairvoyance, clairaudience, telekinesis, um, healing, knowing past and future lives, and so on. So, of course, me being a New York skeptic, I asked the same questions as you. Like, does he know, you know, Fortran or or Latin? Yeah, because I'm 22 years old, you know, a young whippersnapper, like you. And uh, <laughs> and they said no, n- no, uh-huh. that the enlightened ones know everything they need to know to help you get enlightened. That's what that's they know all everything about, not Latin. So there's no contradiction there. So he um, he could, you know, like the stories about Maharaji, which we all have, read minds and other things. But he made predictions uh, to me that came true in others. But his greatest uh, power, I felt, was that he wasn't so much of an articulate um, text teacher as many lamas are. He was more of a meditation master, and his presence was the main meditation. He called it tukdam, or sort of like a Buddha mind presence. Not concentration, not loving kindness. And just doing that with him was unbelievable, and he kind of showed me, uh, he mirrored that in me myself. So I found out, holy crap! Who does he think he is? Who do I think I'm not? <laughs> that was a city. Right. Like, that he could get through your busy mind. That was a city with no words. You felt it from whatever he said six feet away waiting online to see him. So he had a lot of these spiritual powers that could help us. And it was very, besides being lovey and fun and spontaneous. But uh, interestingly now, not to say all well, positive like Pollyanna, all the llamas... Uh, everybody revered him. At his cremation, they could not find anybody who would like the cremation pyre of the thousands of people who were there because everybody owed him so much. They had to find some uh, rickshaw driver from India. Not, not joking. Wow. And, that but, must have been a weird conversation. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but what I want to say was all the lamas <laughs> were intimidated by him. Because why? The lamas, I mean the great lamas, all the lamas I knew, because he saw through us, uh, them, because he saw through them, as they all would say. He gave people black and blue marks, you know, when they did stuff, and then there would be a group picture, and he'd be going, you know, you see <laughs> them in the picture, like. <laughs> and they, later they showed me the black and blue mark under the um. robe because he had seen through them. He knew their their, their but naughtiness. You got it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. So it was the complete, you know, catastrophe, but very light. Can, can you talk a little? Speaking of light, uh, can you talk
2: a little bit about? Because you 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 keep talking about this. A lot of what you say has variants of the word light in it, luminous. And I've also heard that zogchen. Uh, yes. There's something in there that where they say that some of these beings turn into rainbows. They don't even. That's what die. they say.
5: It's, it's called the rainbow body of perfect enlightenment. Yes. Well, it's, it's called the luminous great perfection or zogchen. It really relates to our uncorruptible luminous spirit or soul, as Ram Dass would call it, not the role and the personality and all the schmutz all well, the kaka on our windscreen, but the natural, you know, the glass is still transparent no matter what, is on the windscreen. So we can practice purifying the windscreen, and if we're driving, we need to. But if you're not driving, it's the point of view of, you know, the glass is untouched by the kaka on the windscreen. So that's like the luminous great perfection. So when we realize the timeless nirvana or the enlightened awareness, awakened awareness within, whatever you want to call it, the Buddha mind, heart within, then there is nowhere to go and nothing to get. So that is like the great transparency or the rainbow light body of perfect enlightenment, not after you die. You realize this whole world is the rainbow light body of perfect enlightenment, not just you. That's why they say their bodies turn into a rainbow, because they're identified as they are like the whole er- a world. So this is not to be taken literally because when someone... Th- Tibetans th- take it literally, but I'm not a Tibetan.
2: The person who told me seemed as though he'd seen it happen before. And Yes, they th- say. Have you ever seen anything like that?
5: Um, I've seen rainbows. I never saw one of my uh, uh, llamas turn into a rainbow, but I have seen that their body shrink down to about this big as they sat in meditation for the weeks and months after they died. That's like, uh, uh, there are three kinds of rainbow body and that's like one of them because it it mostly dissolves into light and they only leave like um, bones and, and teeth and things. But These are special effects. We shouldn't get fascinated by it. I want to go back to that it's all within each of us and that we can each be the Karmapa. We can each be, you know, Paul and usher in the kingdom of heaven, not just wait to get whacked by a stroke or an epileptic fit or a flash of grace on a road to Damascus. How, how? That's the question. That's why, I mean, my answer is practices, walking the path, doing something, so that, as Maharaji said, I heard he said, make the mind one-pointed and wait for grace. So that's a balance of the effort and the seeking and the surrender and the opening.
1: Okay, well, let's, talk. let's just take that into the realm of that wonderful story that you told about meeting Maharaji. A big Maharaji. So, in terms of your practice, you have Maharaji, let's just say, and 16th, who is super, super important yeah, right? he was alongside one of, my main of Maharaji. Gurus, yes, yeah. Kala
5: Rinpoche in the 16th who my Tibetan, Tibetan gurus. Ma- Maharaji so, is my first guru. Yeah.
1: yeah. How do you navigate folk, the focal point of bringing that? Is that... I'm, you know, this may be yeah. a little personal, no, no. but uh, no. to bring that into the focal point that would doorway that takes you to the big 16th, big Maharaj.
5: Right. Well, when I lived in India, and of course, you know, we, we were young, we studied and went around, and Maharaj used to send us to serve all the saints. That's what he used to say, right? Sub-ek or all one all. or... So, And here they are. So Ramdas and my other elders like you and Mirabai showed me the way of non-contradiction. An elder,
1: you're the same age. You're a few years younger. You
5: were there first. of non-contradiction. So here we have Hanuman, Buddha, Ganesh, and I don't know, Sarasvati. So So to look into the formless essence at the heart of all of them. That's what I learned. So I have a puja table with all their pictures on it. But um, it, you know it doesn't matter. Sometimes one falls off, and I don't notice for a while. But you know the puja table still works, just as one is like falling behind. There's still a thicket of them. A I mean, thicket. it's a veritable it's crowd good. scene.
2: Yeah, there's no puja table
5: repairman. There's nobody who comes <laughs> over and <laughs> reconnect your puja table.
4: Like the thicket. You no, there thicket.
5: is. Yeah, there is. It's the director of my foundation. Whenever we have a Zochen center retreat week or two, he puts the six official gurus of the Dzogchen lineage on the altar. I never came up with that number, I assure you. <laughs> so he's like the puja table repairman. Right. And he has the same frame on each of the pictures. You know, he, got, he did this for me and for our sangha to follow. But this is not my way of thinking. I'm more... From India, Maharaji style. You know, you have a picture of Maharaji, it's got a little burn on it from the incense stick that fell on it 10 years ago. And you have a little picture of Buddha because you lost the big one in the train. And you have, you know, another picture of Ramana Maharshi because he's standing there, you know, in the middle of his lecture, the great you know, Ramakrishna. Because he went into Samadhi standing there, like kind of Ramdas does. You familiar? Ramakrishna. <laughs> uh, how long did he stay like that? It was like a day.
1: No, hours. Yeah, hours. hours. So,
5: whatever I have that uh, reminds me, that's what I what I do. So, uh, not worshiping the person. We we say in in the Buddhism this is the saying, not worshiping or or uh, venerating exactly the teacher, but the teaching. Not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the Dharma. But that doesn't mean the teacher person can't help you because just reading in a book isn't enough. The teacher person can make it personal. Like uh, how you tie your shoes, you need to get from a person, not a book. So they give you pith instructions, personal advice. That's where the teacher comes in. But still, it's not particularly person worship. It's right. archetype worship. Like right. Jesus, the Christos, the light. Right. Not the dead person who, you know, lives forever. Yeah. Like, in a male body, no. Do you find that there's a,
2: a split that happens there? Yeah. Do, you, do you guys, do you think you kind of split off there? Uh, because it seems like a big part of, what do you call it, Guru Kriya?
1: Kripa. 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 Guru, Guru Kripa, Kripa yeah.
2: is the worship of the person. And and that's it. The teaching is almost secondary to the being itself. And it seems like in Buddhism there's a split that happens between Guru Kripa and what, what do you call it? Kripa? Not Kripa. Kripa. Guru Kripa. Guru Kripa.
5: Kripa. Kripa. Terrible name for a guru. Some gurus are creepy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: They're yeah. out there. Wait a
1: minute, wait a minute now. Okay, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, when the, the advice to the being when they go through into the if bardos the death, is yes. to bring either Buddha or the, yes. or the guru right. into your third eye right. and merge with the So that that's light. a good example. That's, it doesn't that's, have
5: to be the guru. It could be the Buddha, the archetype that inspires you. But it doesn't have to be the Buddha. It could be the guru, because the guru is the personal representative of the, of the enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really not a contradiction, like form and emptiness arise together, not separate.
2: And I thought in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it was all of these things are considered projections anyway. They are. So even the Buddha is considered a projection. Absolutely. Guru that's why Buddha. I used
5: the word archetype.
2: Right. So see you
5: two different no, ways. No, it's
1: you. That's the problem.
5: <laughs> <I'm not> the <laughs> yeah, we are one. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, no, it but is- let's ask Ragu. Ragu, what about Guru Kripa? Is that Guru person worship, or is that the Guru as a portal to the to God?
1: Well, it certainly as the portal, but it is true that we would use a picture of Maharaji, Hanuman, and. I, we who knows? Yeah. I don't know what yeah. anybody Baktis. does. I do Buddhist yeah. meditation myself, right. and it's getting to the yeah. point. Once I once, as yeah. Maharaji says, get yeah. your mind to one point, and then when that happens, especially through, uh, in my case, Vipassana practice, I've been doing it since we, in those the day Our in phase. India, right? And at that point, I I it's the big Maharaji, but it may be there may be a point at which that Moment that we've talked about, being in that present moment where there's no past or you're not know, thinking about past or future, you're not thinking about yourself, right? You're just laying in that wonderful hot tub moment, right yeah. <laughs> a, And so that moment will come through uh, that feeling that I had being with, being with him, that is, is there all the time for me. And then it's big Maharaji but I 'm using the form. in the moment to go beyond beyond it, yeah.
5: So uh, I know where you're coming from, and I I came from, we all come from a similar place. You know, when I went to India, I just graduated from college, and there were all these people bowing and scraping, and there's a lot of bowing going down over in that side of the world, as I'm sure you know. But I was not going to bow down to anyone. So I was with lamas, I was with swamis, I was with gurus and saints. I wasn't going to bow down. But then after a while, it became like, what the hell? It's no big deal. I mean, I tried that too. I tried every other thing, drug and every other kind of thing in the 60s. And it was good, I'm not saying it's the answer. So it was a little bit of an ego trip and just an idea. So now even when I was coming up here, I knew you were gonna call me up and you were saying about how it's tricky to be you know, put on a pedestal and you're sitting up here on the pedestal talking down here to the, the flock. And so I was gonna sit on the edge and not get up and then I thought first I'm gonna come and I'm gonna bow three times and then I'm gonna get up because what the hell? Yeah, It's good exercise. It is good exercise. <laughs> It's good exercise. On,
2: I, I, I used to have... I think a lot of us got the whole bowing phobia. We got it conditioned because yeah. it, it was in Superman 2. I don't know if you remember that.
5: You, I, I love know, your classical background. Yeah. I, thought yeah, you were gonna, is it? I thought you were going to say it's in the <laughs> Old Testament to, not to bow down to graven <laughs> idols. Yeah. No, when I was at Yale, we studied <laughs> Superman 2. Okay.
3: And they...
2: But, I, no, this stuff gets into you as a kid. And I remember, I still remember, Superman, these like other aliens wanted him to bow, and Superman was like, I will never bow, yeah. and he didn't. And so I think that, and also, also, people get in their heads about this stuff, especially I was having a conversation with someone today who was raised a Catholic, and he was saying, you know, it's still in his head, don't worship idols. That's how yeah. you really yeah. piss off God. So... Yeah. That's right. how you get them. So, right. so, so yeah. It's in, it's in a lot. And, and it's in the zeitgeist.
5: It's in our mind. It's in the
2: zeitgeist, yeah. and then it's, you feel vulnerable, and then you feel embarrassed, and then, no, and it's there's terrible. so
1: all of that happened to me. This is a good example of where something takes over that you have no choice. Because I went to India, and I met uh, Ramdas at Swami Muktananda's, and he told me, okay, I found Maharaji, and he told me where to go. And then I said, you know, I came here yesterday, and they sent me in to Swami Muktananda's and you know, everybody's bowing down. I had no feeling whatsoever to bow down. I was like, why? What is going on here, Ramdas, with this bowing down stuff? He said, well, it's just honoring the light inside you, honoring the light in that person. And basically, if you have a problem with it, it's good to you know, good to con- contemplate. It. Yeah, get over it. Next day, I went back. Same thing happened. I could not I hadn't, It was just like, "What? It's just terrible. Just exactly what the phobia is I had it going to India. I went up to Kenchi, and they, uh, that next morning, and I was sitting outside Tucket and Kenshi, he's right there that he's sitting on. And then he walked out. I had no idea of anything. I was very apprehensive. He walked out the doors. It seemed like the giant bang the doors open, so I just threw myself <laughs> with the feet. <laughs> there was no thinking. I couldn't control myself. My, my Whatever's inside a uh, soul, you wanna, anything you want to call it, was way ahead of my mind. And that's really <laughs> what it's all about.
2: Cool. That's beautiful.
1: Um, f- I I asked about the 16th, you know, because... Every time I do a podcast with you, do you know I'm always turning to say to you, and somehow I never... You give me... You get into the the up-level thing. I want to know what it was like being with the 16th Karmapa. Story. Give me a story in front of everybody. Okay. He was so meaningful. And then I met the 17th, and it's the first time I ever experienced the reality of whatever that thing goes from one thing, body, to another... That was real. Did you
5: feel like the same? Yeah. Even though he was 17 or yeah. 20
1: years old? Yeah, he's like 28 years yeah. old when I yeah. met. Yeah.
5: Yes. Well, that's hard to understand, but I feel it too. Um, I don't know what kind of story to tell. Uh, personal. Personal, okay. So I used to live in Darjeeling at my teacher, Kalarumche's monastery, and go visit the Karmapa in Sikkim, which is further up near Bhutan and stay at his monastery for a few weeks or months at a time and teach uh, one of the lamas some English and, you know, study and practice there. And so we had access to the Karmapa and he used to go to his room and things like that that the general public didn't. So we, my friend and I, an American guy named Brian, uh, another tallish American, this, we'll bear on the story, you know, all Asians are short, all Americans are tall. So, just the picture. So, the is sitting on the floor, we're sitting on the floor, we're hanging out, there's a translator, we're fooling around, you know, just hang, having tea. Um, there's a, not we're all go- sitting on
1: the floor. He's not in his throne. or no, we in on his the like, tucket, bedroom. In his bedroom, yeah.
5: Yeah. And, um, you know, he's playing with us like Maharaji would play with the little, you know, rascals, not so yeah. much giving darshan to a big crowd. Right. As Karmapa did also from his teaching seat. And, there was a knock on the door, and somebody said, Shh, shh, sh- sh- minister, shh, sh- sh- deli, And so, you know, we understood like somebody important was coming, VIP. So Brian and I said, Should we go? And he said, No. He said, Sit. So he got up on his bed and crossed his legs. And he didn't like get uh, especially dressed up, but he became a more like the uh, Lama, dignitary, head of the monastery in lineage, receiving dignified guests from the Indian government. So four or five of them came in and uh, they didn't bow and they came in and kind of, I mean, they namascarred and then they were shown to seats around the room. So we were sitting on the floor and they started to talk and tell how many, uh, I don't know, something sounded very important. Anyway, I couldn't understand all of it in Hindi and English and a little in Tibetan, but I'll get to the point. The big shots, the two hippie disciples, and the great Lama Karmapa, he, he kind of cut off them telling about whatever they were telling about their big doings or armies or, you know, whatever it was that was very big and important. And he, and he pointed to us and he said, these guys are very tall, you know, they're from America. I bet they can take out that light bulb from the ceiling. <laughs> and Brian and I looked at each other what the hell? You know, what's going on? What are we, the pet dogs? Yeah, we are. Good. What a privilege. Karmapa wants us to stand up and shout to all we are. So Brian stands up, and he goes like this. You know, it's India, so there's a bulb in the ceiling. There's no lampshade. There's no, you know, it's not that high. Brian's 6'3". I'm six. And he gets it, and he He's going to give it to Karmapa. Karmapa says, no, give it to him. So he gives it to me, saying, Karmapa points at me. He says, now you go and put it back in. <laughs> so I unfold from the floor, and I reach up. I mean, I hardly have to strain, you know? And I'm in my, like, white pajama pants and white Indian shirt with my three or four mala beads hanging out. And these people are in general uniforms, suits and saris from Delhi and, in, and the Indian capitals. <laughs> and sit down next to Brian and Karmapa Car- and points to them and he says, see, America.
1: <laughs> 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 uh.
5: Like, you know, powerful, fantastic, just as good as your big story about important things. Mm. That was a great moment. It was very fun. Yeah. I thought about it for years. I never came up with any other conclusions than what I just told you. Right. What was the meaning of it all? Because right. he, he was a playful Really, yeah. And there was no reason for him to get involved with what they were telling about. I mean, he was a refugee lama. He didn't need to be impressed by how many armies or senates or elections they had going. Mm,
1: yeah. Wonderful.
5: So he kind of cut through that. So I don't know if that's not the greatest wisdom story, but that's kind of the games No, that is play. the greatest wisdom story. Like Maharaji. Yeah. When, when I... I'm like a meditation addict. So... We'd be with Maharaji, and they'd be singing, and they'd be fooling around, mostly kirtan and feeding and loving. And so people, a few of us would always be trying to meditate, find a quiet corner in the ashram, go down by a stream. So I'm sitting there meditating, you know, trying to meditate. Again, have I mentioned yet the white clothes, the white pajama clothes, you know? And all of a sudden, what happens? You could probably tell. <laughs> a peach lands in my lap. <laughs> Maharaji threw a peach on you know, to me, kind of at me. Prasad, blessings, food. Also, like, wake up. Where are you going? (laughs) I don't want to say I'm here, but that's what he meant. Like, Darshan is here. Where are you trying to go in your meditation?
2: Yeah, that's cool. I've heard that. The story that people would try to meditate around him as a form of avoiding the power that was just being in his presence. It was easier no, to... Well, oh, that's not true. The, no. Well,
5: I wasn't trying to avoid anything. I was trying to get enlightened.
1: <laughs> no. Well, but
5: other people, they were trying to it's avoid, a I'm sure. Of this, it's but Maharaji would always... No, he wouldn't allow people.
1: Back. He would not yeah. allow us to meditate. He didn't right. teach meditation that way. Well, he didn't teach it, but he, But if you were meditating, he he'd that, throw something yeah, he'd, at you. He'd, you know, or something he'd bring you like back. back. He'd yeah. say, you know, or you'd eat so much... He'd fed so much food to us... <laughs> that you'd have to go to sleep. In fact, he would send us to go to sleep. We all used to go to sleep together in a big room. In the back of the room. ashram. In the back wow. of the like ashram.
5: we take a nap, like the kindergartners. Yeah, you know, like at, after lunch, <laughs> then reconvene for the afternoon darshan yeah, with him, right? Yeah, exactly. We were like puppies strewn around the floor. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, with all, we all we of our PhDs, it. right? Yeah. Puppies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. And yeah, our shoulder bags
5: with Dharma books. Yeah. Puppies. No wow.
1: reading. Do you have a question that might Help your spiritual practice. Ask the Lama, perhaps, it might advance your. This is a chance to ask your real question. You've been yeah.
5: like trying to avoid and hide yeah. from so many. Whatever lifetimes. you've been,
1: whatever you're afraid to say, and you. I'm not afraid. Said, it. No. Say it now. Come on. This That's is the God cast.
5: This okay. is the godcast. This is your moment. I'll tell you the thing. In that, the sun.
2: Here's the thing that I just I can't get past, and it's something that you talked about for a second. You were talking about Nietzsche, and you were talking about how. He got lost in the emptiness. And, and, and uh, I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the way, I, I think I was just reading too much existentialism or something, and I got caught on this idea that right. um, existence precedes essence. So the idea is that we are fundamentally empty, that there's nothing here, there's the, the, and that a human being is always putting on a show. So no matter what you're doing, you're always putting on a show and the... And the, the I guess to put it the Eastern terms, the idea is we have the watcher, the, the big eye. that's always watching this being, like what Ram Dass said yesterday, this flower. And so it puts you in this terrible predicament, which is that you're always doing a show for this being that's watching you. But anything that you do, it's not really coming from any kind of authentic place because there is no authentic place. You're putting on a costume. You put on the costume of a llama. You put on the costume of a uh, somebody running this beautiful foundation. I put on the costume of, of a podcaster or whatever. But anything that you're putting out is not really what you are because what you are is absolutely nothing. And I can't get around that. That seems no, but so. But you're interpolating.
5: You're going uh, to. Well, well just got to say Absolutely. You know, nothing, everything.
1: I'm so happy you're here. Yeah, thank you. It's hard to, talk to, it's hard to talk to This them. is impossible I don't to know how you decipher. I
5: don't know how you guys are such good friends. You must be not so <laughs> gruff as everyone
1: says.
2: Is that really impossible for you to decipher that? You don't yeah. know what I'm saying?
1: No. no you, you're, <laughs> did that... Say, do you guys don't understand what I was saying? Empty, you're saying emptiness is like uh, you, the French... Emptiness, yeah. Camus, you know, that yeah. kind of emptiness. You're talking about existentialism. This is I'm not talking ex- about nihilism. I'm yeah, talking about nihilism. nihilism. You're a nihilist. Emptiness
5: is not empty. Like, space oh. is
2: not empty. Space okay. is rich. Okay, wait. So, the nihilism thing, I could just as much accuse you of being a nihilist. If the concept is... Well, no, if the idea is that it's all, proj- if it's all projection... But I didn't say that, if, if, that. Well, you were saying that. when In the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the idea is the guru is a projection... The Buddha is a projection. And so in that case, if everything is a projection, then ultimately there's just nothingness again. Let's
5: go back to your original statement that you're holding to, and you told me to before. I don't know where you read it. You said, Nietzsche said, existence precedes emptiness. What? Uh, existence Ex- existence prece- precedes essence. Essence, right. So existence means there is being, and then you know, but it precedes being a being, being a separate being. So it's like Ram Dass said, he nailed it yesterday soul and the role right soul precedes the role but they're inseparable like yin and yang also but if you want to talk about proceeds, which is not the eastern way of circular thinking it's the western way of linear right, thinking right, right, right. but soul and role so you think that there is a soul i'm using Ram Dass' words i'm just saying there is <laughs> <See>? <laughs> there you is you some dodging there it. is not nothing we don't say buddhism doesn't say that there's nothing it's called the unconditioned the true nature of all temporary conditions. Right. That's when you touch the stream of nirvana. It's called the stream of nirvana, of the unconditioned. Right. It ain't nothing. It's really something, ain't it? It's nothing. Well,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's... Uh, yeah, we could say that it's something,
5: but... It's not a thing, but it's really... It's not a nihilistic, empty vacuum chamber. Well,
2: I mean, I, and I don't think of... This clearly isn't a vacuum chamber. We are in a place. But I keep coming back to this empty spot that... Is, is unrelenting, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it doesn't seem to be changing. This doesn't mean I'm not happy and that I don't experience moments of love or joy or yeah. bliss.
1: The but it, Empty is that love that is, holds the moment, that is the essence of the moment. Empty is also, in the Tibetan tradition, philosophy, empty of self. Yeah. Empty it means open, of,
5: infinite, yeah. light, luminous. It's just... It's like the bubble has burst in the sea, but it didn't disappear. If the water is still there or, you know, the, the, the wave in the sea, it doesn't die. Yeah, I don't. The wave doesn't die. Unborn and undying. I know you've heard this. But yes. let, me, let me cut right to the chase here because time is short. Okay. And, you know, what happens here, at the kind of poly stays here, we're alone here. Um, thinking can't figure this out the mind the bifurcating the two making intellect it can't figure this out about form and emptiness about good and bad about you know god and this world those are the polarities but we have to we could learn by doing like penetrate with intuition with realization with awareness not just thinking so you could be aware of having no thoughts in your head then what is aware who is not thinking in that moment I've had that experience, I'm sure you have too. It's not that mystical. People in a coma are not thinking. (laughs) They don't have will, but they hear. Who is hearing in the coma when they have no memory of who they are, they don't have will? Some people come back from coma and they say, you said so and so, you said should we let him die? And the other one said no, don't pull out the plug. So if we find that, if we look into the nature of identity and who we are, we go a little bit beyond the is and the is not the fixed, permanent self, or just the big nothing. And so, um, uh, you know, I think we can only think about these things so much before we really try to work on exhausting thinking in some other way, like by doing some practice, experiential, verging on mystical, to make a hyper-leap to another state of consciousness, like Ram Dass says, different simultaneous states of consciousness. You can't get there through incremental climbing. A little progressive attitude change doesn't do it.
1: Work. You have to work much harder. You have to <laughs> meditate, sit, <Sick. laughs> or something. Do you got learn to, by doing? But this is fun- no. You don't have to meditate,
5: but experiential. I think to penetrate, to make the leap. Yeah. Thank you. The leap, whatever that means. Not just it is all within. It is, but it is all deeper. Look deeper. Not just within. Deeper. Not just thinking. That's the problem with Western existentialism, just to be general. In Nietzsche and camus they end up with no exit, Sartre, and it's kind of depressing, almost nihilistic, brilliant as a lot of it is.
2: But I think, you know, that's where I, I disagree with you, because I've, I think it's so beautiful to, you know, I actually, was, I've been reading this, ah, gosh, the, Dogen is his name, and yes. he, he wrote this Zen giant book called, right. what's it called, Something of the Dharma Eye, The Secret yep. tr- the Treasury of the Dharma right. Eye, it's beautiful, but... Um, you know, he describes, there's people asking him questions, and many of the questions have to do with this lasting thing. Isn't there some lasting thing? Yes. Here's this philosophy. The Dharmakaya
5: mind. The right. Deathless but Dogen, in the, at least the essays
2: I read, is like, nope. No, there is no lasting anything. And right. the, if, if you think there's a lasting anything, then, right. you, then you're. Because it's not a
5: thing. That's why it's called deathless nirvana, not a lasting thing, not eternal God or immutable soul. Well, but this may be nomenclature, you know. Sure, until I don't mean we to get some it. semantic thing. I just, yeah.
2: I just, I find, you know, there's this beautiful, gosh, it was um, Carl Sagan, his wife, wrote this beautiful thing about how incomprehensibly wonderful it was to think that the entire universe formed in this way, that in this one little lifetime, she got to hang out with somebody that she loved. And she knows that there's nothing after this, it's all gone, but in this moment, there was this incredible yeah. thing. Right. I find that to be the most beautiful way to look at things because when I think from that POV that all of this is just some fleeting, transient, temporary waveform emerging from the great nothingness and we've been given this very limited amount of time to express love before our form completely transforms into, into a disparate blast of molecules melting into time, that blows my mind. I love it. I think it's very beautiful. Quite a and I description don't... of... To me, this is not depressing as much as it is something that rings a bell to yeah, wake right. up now, yes. and that's what
5: absolutely I mean. to wake up now. Since you you mentioned Dojen, the Zen master, Dojen, <laughs> the great haiku poet, he sang, "Life is like bubbles, and yet." That's the haiku. Oh, that's and great. yet. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's great, man. You know, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. The and no. yet. That's perfect. Yeah. And yet. And yeah. yet. Yeah. You, holy crap. Thank yeah. you, Maharaji. Yeah. Loose translation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a good note to end on, I think. No? 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 <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. They want something all right, well, else. Okay. Why don't we ask questions? Okay, Why don't they you ask questions? have a couple questions. of questions. Okay, let's see. Mike, do you want to give someone a mic? Oh, we got it. Okay. Well, if you right. ask,
2: I'll say it. What yeah, go ahead.
1: We'll, we'll repeat the question.
2: You raised your hand. Yeah,
1: come up here and turn around and share. It's Maybe you can
3: share okay. <laughs> I'll try not to puke on the puja table. <laughs> um, happy Mother's Day. Your
1: hold hold the you. mic up close to Hold you. it up here. There you.
3: Happy Mother's Day, Duncan. Your mommy loves you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I had spent, um, I've listened to way too much. I've listened to way too much of Ramdas and like an embarrassing amount of Duncan. Um, and I've had all of these feelings, all of these devotional. Weird feelings, and I, I've uh, I've had a pretty rough life. It hasn't; it's been easy. Um, and anyways, for whatever reason, uh, on the way here um, for the last month or something, every time. I think about, every time I thought about coming here, I'd be driving my car or something, and I would just cry, and I'd cry and cry. And I was feeling so uncomfortable because of how much affection I have for you, Duncan. It's so, and um, I wanna just let you guys know <laughs> ahead of time, I'm really good on, at, at fear for some reason. And so um, I just wanted to, to share a, a poem with you, Duncan. Um, <laughs> and I'm hoping that, it'll, uh, because I am really good at fear, I'm hoping that this will um, help you guys with your fear a little bit, and help you with your fear a little bit, and all of you with your fear a little bit. Um, and it's awkward, and I'm sorry. Oh uh, well, no, how brave <laughs> of you. You're so
2: brave, you can go on stage
3: with a poem, and I'm it's really amazing. high, it's That's easy, really it's really incredible. high. I'm- <laughs> It's easy with drugs. Okay. I'm sorry. This is really embarrassing. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) I would like to love you completely, though I know it is not me you are for. In fact, there are dimensions where we pair quite sweetly. But in this one, I just want... To love you. I'm not asking for more. Should my eyes betray a twinkle or should my cheeks start to glow? Please ignore it entirely. I already know. This love is a secret between me and my heart. I'm giving myself permission to feel it without filling the part. Thank you.
5: Nice
2: Thank you so much. That' very beautiful. Thank you.
1: Thank you, China. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, how about Mr. Trevor Hall?:
0: <laughs> um, I had a question about uh, right when I walked in, you guys were. Touching on it a little bit, but um, it has to do with, you know, you know, your path. And here Maharaji said, yeah, Sabak, it's all one, and we have, you know, Lama Surya Das here, we have Mirabai, all these amazing teachers and everything. Um, but my question has to do with, even though it is all one, um, I think there's like this thing in the soul that at least that wants to kind of devote yourself to one thing. And I think there, I don't know, maybe there is the danger of, um, not danger, but like, you know, you kind of get romantically involved with all these different paths, you know, and is there a danger of like not making any progress? You know, it's like if you have a shovel and you're like, the, you want to dig deep, but oh, I'm going to dig a hole here, and then you dig a hole here, and you, you don't really get that deep because you keep bouncing around. How I don't know. You know, like Lama Suryadas, your 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 path. Oh, well, I don't I don't want to talk about your tell you what your path is, but it's you know your inclination is towards Buddhism, you know, and you've that's how you dug deep, you know. But still, you you know what I'm trying to say. I don't know what yes. I'm trying to say. Uh, yes.
5: Um, Commitment is important. But a lot of these images, and sometimes we hear this, Trevor, maybe you read that. I heard it in the old days in India about digging the, the holes. But it depends why you're digging. If you're digging for exercise, you don't just have to always dig in the same hole. If you're digging to hit the water table, maybe it's good to dig in the same hole, but you could also dig somewhere else and hit the water table of the oneness that joins all the wells. So it's not as simple, as they put it, as if you keep digging in different places, you will never get anywhere. My own lama used to say, "If you, you have to decide between Hinduism and Buddhism, otherwise it's like sewing with a needle with two points. Wow. Meaning sewing, but not, not pulling any string through and you know, getting anything together. Cool. But that, that was like old traditional non-mobile society, pre-industrial thinking. We live in a very you know, post-modern zeitgeist where it's all um, integrated or can be, so we don't really have to choose that way. So I myself, like, like him, like Ramda said, we do Buddhist meditation, but we do um, Hatha yoga, uh, we practice Guru Kripa in the Bhakti tradition of Maharaji, Sri Ram, Hanuman, and so on no contradiction and not so much hung up on the different isms
0: yeah, so I commitment mean,
5: is very important and sincerity and attention and intention i think not the names and so much and forms
1: maharaji himself when we got there it was all about christ we had no idea that that was we jewish happen. boys yeah we're all well, a lot of us were jewish that made it even more like what Wear your cross <laughs> what do you mean how do you meditate? Meditate like Christ. I just wanted a mantra. So and then you going to the course? The Vipassana course? I don't even know about the course. Okay, I'm going to the course. So suddenly we had Christ, Hanuman, Buddha, and I mean it just went on from there. We never got the 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 teaching of all one was really what he gave us in terms of all of the traditions. And he, the one thing about Lama here, in terms of integrating, this is my opinion by the way, in terms of integrating everything that he has integrated from many different teachers, not within Tibetan Buddhism even, to different traditions. And of course Maharaji. And uh, is deep practice, has allowed him, he's done, you know, not to embarrass, him, people know this, he's done two, three-year, three-month, three-day meditation uh, times. Retreats. Retreats in his life. And I think when, when he talks about it and we talk about absolute necessity for practice, well, going that deep, I think you hit the water table. You hit that water table at some point there. And so, all of these different traditions that he's involved with really, the ability, it's just the big Maharaji in spades. Would that be correct? Jai Maharaj. All right, one more because uh, Ramesh, I got.
5: Is Ramesh allowed to ask questions? Isn't he on he's staff? Not.
1: And then there's a young lady next to him. Yeah, Mike is saying something. Oh, he's already got somebody. All right, yeah. we'll have Thanks. to.
5: Thanks.
4: Um, so this has been really good, this session here, because uh, it's something that, that I find really fascinating, the whole kind of intellectual debate and the, the interplay between uh, the three of you is really is nice. Um, Thank you. But... Here's here's my question. Um, I was speaking a little bit with a gentleman before this, um, and it, it kind of touches a little bit of what Trevor was saying. It's something I also have some difficulty with. I like to read a lot about different paths and uh, and different ways to getting to God. But one of the things I find really curious, and I'm hoping that you guys can elaborate a little bit more on it, when you hear learned people um, being asked questions. One of the common threads that almost all of them have is they say, just stop reading. So, you know, and I was uh, looking at Parvati Marcus's book and that was also one of the instructions of of Maharaji was just that uh, read less. Um, And you find a lot of these people, uh, for example, like Sadhguru, the lately, uh, you know, he's talking, somebody was asking him a really detailed question about the Gita. And he said, I don't know. I've never read it. Um, and so I, I wonder, you know, how that works for the rest of us, right? So we're, um, we're going around in this circle that Trevor mentions where you're, you're, you're going from, oh, this is interesting. You look at this for a little bit. Oh, this is interesting here. And you go to that. And isn't that keeping you from that? Is that not what the, these learned people are saying is just put the books down and, and go inside Maybe I have that wrong, but that's... its somebody who has no practice, I think I'm the person to
2: answer that question.
1: (laughs) Jeez.
2: There's a a verse in the Bhagavad Gita that I love, and maybe I use it as an excuse, but the verse is, he who is attached to the flowery words of the scriptures is like a person who drinks water from a well when it flows everywhere. And I think that this is the problem with all paths and all the intellectualizing and all the various things is that you can use it. And this is why I was with, with Maharaji. Uh, I, I've heard you guys talk about with Neem Karoli Baba how it was so intense to be around him that sometimes he would start talking about the news. And I know when you were meditating and he threw that at you, you were intentionally trying to meditate to gain realization, but I still feel like what he's saying in that is like, no, yes. this is it. Yeah. And so I think that that's what ends up happening is people construct all of these fantastic barriers between them and the present moment. So all, there, every single one of these systems is so beautiful and vast and some are simple, some are complicated, but in, and all of them I think must work, but I think they can also be a game of make believe you're playing with yourself to escape from the overwhelming, inescapable sense that we are eternally surrounded by some kind of divine, never-ending emptiness slash consciousness. And that's a little too much to take. So it's fun to give yourself the illusion of practice because it makes you feel, it creates an imaginary barrier between you and the void. No, no. Jesus. Why not? Why god not? God
1: help me. Do you want to he can, can't, you, can no, just say some, just He can't uh, some He can't get thing.
2: people to come to retreats if there's no practice involved. That's why you don't you don't like it. That's what he doesn't like. He has a vested interest.
1: <laughs> oh my god. god.
5: Uh, not every Teacher, where tradition equally emphasizes learning or not learning, Sri or a Bindu, and we heard about the mother uh, from Ragu, and all well, you know, wrote I don't know a hundred books, and um, you know not everybody says uh, stop studying. So let, may I remind you about the middle way, not all or nothing. And, and there's a Tibetan saying about this because Tibetan Buddhism is a ancient practice lineage, but also a culture of learning and commentary and. Inner sciences and expertise. Um, learning without pra- experiential practice is like trying to climb a mountain without legs. It can be done. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. Thank you. I'm sure it can be done. Learning without experiential practice is like trying to climb a mountain without legs. Um, cl- Practice without some theory or learning to back it up is like trying to climb a mountain without eyes because theory and practice goes together. If you learn how to meditate, if you learn how to do yoga, if you learn a musical instrument, in general it helps you do it better, although there are self-learners, self-taught, obviously. So I think theory and practice goes together and it's up to each of us and the different paths emphasize it differently, not just everyone says don't read or don't learn. In fact, since we love to tell stories here, uh, I don't know if Ram Das is here, um, I, I don't hear that much about this story. When I first met you guys in the winter of 72 when we were here and there in Allahabad, Krishnadas was still sleeping in the, I think it was a Volkswagen bus, but it might have been a Jeep van, which was filled with all of Ramdas's holy books hundreds that we all read constantly so ramdas didn't just throw them out as soon as he met maharaji he was a studious professor like guy his whole life. And so were we. So we studied, we practiced, we debated. Sometimes we were in a silent 10-day meditation retreat. No books, no radio, no internet, nothing. And other times we read and Maharaji had us read the Maramayana, which is a book this big in case you don't know. And other things all day sometimes. Read the Ramayana, etc. Not read everything about Hindu philosophy, but yes, a little of the Bhakti tradition, the Ramayana, uh, the Gita, Etc.
1: Yeah, trust. It's about trust. Your intuition of what's right for you in the moment. Not reading something somebody says that shouldn't read anything. It re- the experiential thing. That's the most important. Do you want to ask? Because I know you wanted to. Yes, you. What
5: about Ramesh? Well, she's more oh, important okay. than Ramesh. Yes, she is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, back there. Yeah, there.
3: Um, This is just a, maybe it's a little lighter, but um, I was wondering, (laughs) I was wondering, um, so for example, a lot of people are raised Christian or Catholic, but those deities, deities... Deities, yeah. Deities, okay, thank you. Um, don't really resonate with them, but they may go on to be spiritual or religious later in life. I was just wondering for each of you, what was your first um, deity that. Like, what was your gateway deity, if you will, that either like. Gateway
1: <laughs> <laughs> deity, that's
3: good. <laughs> no, no, no. Well,
1: for certainly for. for Uh, many of us with Maharaji, Hanuman, the monkey god, because that was the first thing we learned chanting-wise was the Hanuman Chalisa and Sri Ram, Sitaram. But uh, Maharaji, for me, he had uh, statues of Hanuman both in Kenshi and uh, Vrindavan where we used to hang out with him. And the one in Vrindavan was just extraordinarily beautiful and it came alive for us. And there's one great story that Ramesh will remember as well. K.K. Shah, who is Ram Dass' like, Indian brother, our mentor, he was visiting. There's a picture of this, okay? This isn't BS, Duncan. There's a picture of K.K. Before
5: Photoshop picture.
1: Before Photoshop. We saw it in 1971 or 2. Hanuman is looking straight out, the statue. KK was standing to the side, and you see in the picture the Morty's eyes looking at him to the side. Okay, right? Is that true? (laughs) Oh come on! It's on Duncan's side now. No,
2: I got it. Listen, I've got a a deity story that's billions of times weirder than that one that happened to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My experience with it was because I um, was it the. Hare Krishna Temple in Laguna Beach, California. and is Tre- Trevor, what are those deities they have there? Panchatatva. Panchatatva. So I... This was Jamastami, which is the appearance... Krishna's birthday. Krishna's birthday. And um, up until that point, I'd never experienced anything like what they talk about. I had I'd, I'd very little experiences. like, like any, I'd never really had a religious experience. And so I was sitting in this temple and they're pouring, I guess they're pouring milk and honey on this Krishna deity, and they're waving peacock feathers and incense in the air, and flowers are everywhere. And I'm looking at these deities, and suddenly they change, and they're not statues anymore. It looks like something is protruding out of another dimension, like you're looking at a thing that for whatever reason has decided to wear this costume of deities because it likes to take this form for some reason. And I remember the way my brain tried to rationalize or the first thought that came into my mind after seeing this. And meanwhile, my body, it was shaking. It, it, that had never happened. So my body's shaking and this thing is happening. And my mind, the way it describes it is it thinks, oh, this is what it, it looks like inside a spaceship because, <laughs> because it was so advanced. Because, it was, because it, was, it was like being in the presence, it was like being a monkey that someone let into the space shuttle. It was that feeling of this is something so far beyond me. And so, yeah, that was the first experience that I had with a
1: deity. That's way beyond KK's photo. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> All right, Ramesh. Uh, Thanks. You, you have to end this.
6: I don't know if this is going to be the end, but... Uh, I, I really think we should clear up this uh, craziness about emptiness, which Duncan is equating with uh, non-existence. Um, and, uh, for instance, uh, uh, Roshi re Roshi Joan translates that as uh, boundlessness. And what Surya is saying about uh, emptiness not being empty, but it's a kind of fullness, I think, is a much more useful approach. And the the Dogen use of that uh, is, you know, as you well know within Zen, is uh, to stop your mind. It's to stop the flow of uh, conceptual, uh, cursive thought that traps us in our mental conceptions of how we think it is. So uh, it would be good to break through that one, I think. Uh, Surya, do you wanna go into that more? I think you had a useful uh, approach to it.
5: Well, I like what you said, thank you, about emptiness is not nothing, and the fullness, the plenum void, as we call it, the luminous, the shining void, the infinite possibilities, the uh, boundlessness that Roshi Joan talked about, kind of the oneness, if you like. It's empty of separate selfness, so it's the oneness. It opens to oneness, beyond oneself.
1: Empty of separate em- selfness. Of, empty of yeah.
5: separate selfness. Yeah. So it's a very a freeing, or liberating, or blissful, or you know, infinite, con- luminous consciousness. Hmm. So let me just uh, reprise, since he want to straighten this out. I mentioned this to you before. The Buddhist philosopher of the Middle Way, Nagarjuna, said, "A pitiful, uh, but sad are those who are attached to material things and think they are what they seem to be." But much more pitiful are those who are attached to emptiness; they're much harder to help.
2: Wow!
1: That's because of okay. realism, right.
2: very cool.
5: Much harder to help.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Can you end with that the Zen thing or the the bubbles? I, I love that so much, and I didn't. The bubbles? Yeah, what, the bubbles. And yeah? Oh yeah, yes. The haiku.
5: The haiku poet Issa, who was more famous for call his it that? thousands of poems about ticks and. Insects and you know fleas because he was a pauper. Uh, he said, "The world." Uh, he lost his family in a famine and all. He was a, but he was a, a, He had a Zen kind of um, poignance about him, appreciating things. He said, "The world is like bubbles, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet."
1: And yet. Yeah. here a we are. Wonderment,
5: miraculous, imaho.
1: And we are here in the end yeah. yet. And yet. Yeah. Thank you, Maharaji. Thank you. Thank you. That Thank was you. amazing.